Hey, it's me, Gavin Crawford. Every week, I'll quiz comedians about the headlines. Do you worry about kids being exposed to drag? I grew up going to see men in dresses singing every Sunday and we had to give them money, okay? <laughs> I wish they were singing show tunes and had some makeup on their hair done, right? It would have been way better. If the news has you screaming into the void, we can help with that. Because news is available on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash the debaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada, we're back in the saddle again from the home of the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta. It's the Debaters! (laughs) The Debaters, where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now here's a man who's ready to stir up some laughs, Steve Patterson! Listen to that. We are back in Wild Rose Country, a place that's on the grow. (laughs) Recently, Alberta did a big advertising campaign in Toronto to try and lure skilled workers to the province. They had pithy ads all over our subway system, like an engineer, an accountant, and a plumber walk into a province. They all get jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the ads worked, because now Calgary apparently has a housing crisis. And the engineer, accountant, and plumber are all sharing a studio apartment in Renfrew. (laughs) Now it's time to meet a couple of skilled workers who won't be leaving till the job's done. This comic spliced two wires to achieve a peaceful transfer of power. It's Vancouver's Erica Sigurdsson. Let's hear it for Erica Sigurdsson. One of our favorites, taking her spot behind the podium to my right. And this comic once ate an entire box of After Eights at 7.30. It's Edmonton's Sean LeCumber. Sean LeCumber, Alberta's own. Hi, Steve. Hi, Sean. Welcome. Your topic will have you all gathering round. Holiday dinners is hosting them the best. The crowd has already sort of decided, but I'll let the debaters debate the merit of this topic. Thank you. But it does make me think of two very important words, gravy and boat. There's nothing classier to me than a silver gravy boat. And it's the first thing we get out when we host holiday meals. Sometimes I don't even put gravy in it. I just fill it with wine and drink from that. Because a silver gravy boat looks like a trophy, and drinking out of it makes me feel like I'm a professional athlete. (laughs) Without all the pesky, exhausting athleticism. (laughs) But it's time now for a championship debate where winning would be gravy. So, whereas it provides you with control of the menu, decor, and guest list, be it resolved, nothing beats hosting a holiday meal. Erica, you arguing for this, please. You have two minutes, starting now. Erica Sigurdsson. Thank you. I live in an apartment. Hold for applause. 
and I don't really know how to cook. So until recently, I had never hosted a holiday meal. This meant that for years, I was the victim of terrible decor, <laughs> lackluster desserts, I'm talking to you rice pudding, and suffered next to unexpected guests that I did not care for. That all changed this year when I hosted a holiday meal for 12 in my two-bedroom apartment. And it was everything I thought it could be. <laughs> for the decor, the theme was memories of yesteryear because all of our furniture is the crap our relatives had donated to us. <laughs> when guests usually ask their host, what can I bring? Good hosts say, nothing, just bring yourself. Not me. <laughs> when you ask what you can bring, I will text you a link to a recipe. <laughs> if you put enough planning into it, you can have the entire meal catered <laughs> by your close friends and family. Yes. It is my own personal take on Uber Eats. <laughs> but instead of having to tip a driver, I get to steal the Tupperware container Aunt Brenda brought the tiramisu in. <laughs> of course I want to host the holiday meal because everyone loves the host. They bring them gifts. Bottles of wine, flowers, chocolates, exotic pets if you're in Florida. <laughs> Hosting the meal is the best. No one wants you to clean up because you're the host. And when you live in an apartment, you get to sit back and watch your friends and family try to cram 37 dishes into an apartment-sized dishwasher. <laughs> the menu and the guest list were perfectly curated. And as for the decor, I'm too drunk to care. Thank you. Erica Sigerson. I'm like, hosting a holiday meal is a good thing. Now. Here to tell us why any of the holiday meals that he doesn't have to host are the only ones he truly gives thanks for. Let's hear from Alberta's own Sean LeCumber. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, unlike this rich Vancouver lady, <laughs> I live in a 900 square foot bungalow with one bathroom. Not having people over for special occasions is the only good thing about being poor. <laughs> Holiday meals means family is coming. Family. <laughs> These people aren't your friends. <laughs> Bonded by genetic happenstance. <laughs> Families are like coworkers God gave you. They say, oh, hosting provides control of the menu. Yeah, we got someone who doesn't eat meat, gluten-free, celiac, no nuts, free range only, dark meat, white meat, wish we had ham. <laughs> One guest who only eats stuff if it's mushed up. <laughs> Stupid babies and old people. <laughs> oh, look. Two people with an unresolved beef in an enclosed space pouring wine into pint glasses. <laughs> and as host, I'm responsible for the de-escalation of those hostilities. <laughs> That's just the spontaneous stuff. That's just the fun stuff. There's the built-in fights. Diabetic dad. 
needs to eat at five or he'll pretend to get dizzy. <laughs> but my brother can't make it till seven because he's got a new girlfriend every 10 minutes. <laughs> now it's my call whether my dad eats when he needs to or my brother eats cold turkey or dad loses a foot. Green wire, blue wire, what do you want to cut, hosty? <laughs> With all the cleaning up and meal prep, my wife and I will be bickering until the moment guests arrive. <laughs> now we have to put on a brave face and fight passive-aggressively <laughs> through our guests all night long. <laughs> What's that? Extra towels. <laughs> Sorry. Not sure where we keep those at, Phyllis. But that should come as no surprise, because I don't do anything around here. <laughs> you say host with the most, I say guest is best. Thank you. <laughs> John LeCumber. John LeCumber. Some nice thoughts about hosting a holiday meal. It's, it's everything I thought it would be at your place, Sean. <laughs> All right, we got ourselves a debate. It is time now for the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether nothing beats hosting a holiday meal. So air your beefs as you talk turkey and roast your opponent. <laughs> it's time to carve out a name for yourself while telling your opponent to go fork themselves, Sean. <laughs> Until this audience has had their fill. Time to start feeding it to each other now. Yeah, let's mix it up, come on. That's the thing, Erica, you don't, you don't get it. I don't know, I just wanted to start that way. <laughs> holiday, it's like, a, that's the thing I hate about it. It's, you're not just cooking for family, it's a legacy meal, you know? You're being compared to generations of other Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> So you gotta match up to some lady from the 1800s or you're garbage. Okay, fair point, but I think you missed the part where I'm not making anything. <laughs> Aunt Gladys is bringing those Yorkshire puddings. And if they go wrong, it's her fault and she won't be invited back. <laughs> also, I think we're, we're both bonded on the fact that we live in tiny places. You don't see the beauty in letting your family come and see how you live. <laughs> but the favorite thing about when you live in downtown Vancouver and you have people come over to your house and then midway through dinner you say, where did you park? <laughs> and they tell you and you know that most of them have already been towed. That's Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm too okay. drunk to drive them home. Knock it off with the claps. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, my brother's got a new girlfriend every time. So then we're on point. I can't wear my boxers. Like I got, I'm being interviewed. Okay. And then my dad is, you know, he's 73 and he's on old person Tinder. I don't know what it is but he's got his age range set to death. Well, if you don't feed your dad at five, he's not gonna be there next Christmas. <laughs> if you 
have food and are withholding it from your diabetic father and he dies, that's murder. Whatever, you're, you're the one stealing Tupperware from guests. Okay, that's the bare knuckle round, everybody. It is time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on holiday meals brought to you by Holiday Sweaters. Perfect to wear during holiday meals because food stains will only improve them. <laughs> Here are your questions. Harpersbazaar.com's list of tips for making guests feel welcome says doing what in advance will help everyone feel relaxed and at ease. Erica? Putting away your pornography. <laughs> Sean? Pulling out your dad's erotic coasters. <laughs> yeah, the actual answer is planning the right music. <laughs> Seems so stupid now compared to the other. <laughs> the everymom.com lists questions to ask yourself when making a guest list for Thanksgiving, which include, do you have enough seating? Will family members need to stay the night? And what else? Erica. Does anyone know you're sleeping with your brother-in-law? Pass. <laughs> Give my points to the kids. <laughs> and the answer is, do you need a kids table? According to ModernFarmer.com, when it comes to holiday dining etiquette, what should you not bother worrying about? <laughs> Erica? How intimate your cousins are getting. <laughs> what <laughs> is happening at the Sigurdsson household? <laughs> Sean? Saying grace too loud. <laughs> Sorry, Mama, I wanted the Lord to hear it. What you should not bother worrying about is being the first to grab seconds. Oh. Yeah. Farmers love what you eat. <laughs> and that's the firing line, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of Calgary, it is almost time to pick a winner. But first, here to tell us why he thinks hosting a holiday meal deserves holiday pay, let's hear from Alberta's own Sean LeCumber. First of all, we should talk about the holiday characters. The early arriver. <laughs> Group text said two, but that doesn't apply to you. Go ahead and come by at 10 a.m. with the whole family. <laughs> the sleepover artist. Intoxicated again. No problem. You guys can sleep in our bed and we'll crash on the treadmill downstairs. <laughs> it inclines for comfort. The in-law who assists with nothing. No, you keep sitting down. You must be tired from all that chewing. <laughs> then near the end of the night, he'll say, are you sure you don't need any help? You phrase that like a follow-up question. Are you sure implies you asked if we needed help earlier, but I've been rage watching you sit in my chair for hours now. Don't lie to me, bro. Hosting sucks. That's the end of it. 
Sean LeCumber. Now, here to tell us why, when it comes to hosting holiday meals, she feels that it's her duty and her honor to serve. Let's hear again from Erica Sigurdsson. Thank you. We all have that family member whose holiday meals we like the most. And even then, nothing's perfect. Grandma does make the best Yorkshire puddings, but also she forgets to wash her hands. <laughs> Happy Easter, you've all got pink eye. <laughs> By hosting the meal myself and having everyone bring my favorite dishes, I have cracked the holiday meal conundrum of getting exactly what I want and who I want for dinner. My husband and I don't even have to fight about who's the designated driver. Everyone brings stuff way more delicious than we could ever make, and they all know it. And they sit in your tiny apartment wondering if maybe, just maybe, they should leave you a bit more in their will to buy a home that actually has an oven big enough to fit a turkey. Thank you. Erica Sigurdsson, bringing it on home. The audience has heard both sides, and it is up to you, audience, to pick a winner by applause. Who loved what Erica brought to the table and dished out about her love of hosting holiday meals? Erica Sigurdsson. All right. That's a healthy response for Erica here in Calgary. And when it came to hosting holiday meals, who was with Sean when he asked, may I please be excused? Sean LeCumber. I also, I volunteer. I also volunteer. Right. Okay. It's a tie. It's inconclusive. Sean LeGover and Erica Sigurdsson tied up, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? Listen to that, Canada, they're ready. This comic comes from a long line of kings. It's Vancouver's Simon King. Come on out here, Simon. There he is. He is sporting a cowboy hat, ingratiating himself to the crowd. Very handsome, my friend. Thank you. And this comic says, to gnome me is to love me. It's Vancouver's Shirley Gnome. Come on out here, Shirley. We always love having Shirley on the show. She is also wearing a cowboy hat, and I feel like this will be explained shortly. <laughs> your topic is one that will be music to your ears. Country music. <laughs> Is it better when it's happy or sad? <laughs> let's, let's be honest here. I grew up listening to classic country music with my dad. True story. And it taught me a lot of valuable life lessons that I've actually never heard anywhere else. <laughs> my favorite song by Mary Chapin Carpenter. Sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. 
right. It means you can't win all of life's challenges, so you should always keep your washer fluid topped up. <laughs> I also loved that Kenny Rogers song about doing the laundry. You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them. <laughs> oh, don't worry. They told me messing with a Kenny Rogers song in Calgary might not work, but... <laughs> what can I tell you? I'm a bit of a gambler. It's time for a debate that'll teach you a thing or two. So, whereas it provides us with relatable lyrics, powerful emotion, and catchy, iconic songs, be it resolved that country music is best when it's sad. Simon, you're arguing for this, please. You have two minutes. Starting now, Simon King. Sad country is better because you don't want to be happy. All right? You want to be happier than other people, but you don't want to be happy all the time. Have you ever spent time with someone who's happy all the time? It's a mental illness to show up at work. Happy Monday, I love working. Oh my God, I made muffins. Oh, why does Garfield hate Monday? As you're loading a nail gun, like, calm down, Janice. <laughs> you certainly don't want me to be happy. That's no fun. Imagine if I got out here and was like, well, it turns out I have no cavities and we finally paid off that pesky mortgage. Forget that, you want to go home tonight and go, my life's garbage, but at least I'm not Simon. <sighs> Hope he doesn't live on a high floor. <laughs> that speaks to an old, deep part of us. We like misery, specifically other people's. I know the hackneyed jokes about how it's all, my dog ran away with my truck and my wife, but I'll tell you this, if there are two people and one won't shut up about their great new garden hose and one is talking about how his wife left him for a truck-driving dog, guess which one I'm listening to? <laughs> Country, at its finest, scratches that itch. It's musical schadenfreude. The, the true greats sang about pain. Many are even named after money because they spoke to the struggle of the working people. Johnny Cash, Johnny Paycheck, 50 Cent. You want troubles, heartache, it moves you. You think Johnny Cash would have got anywhere if instead of, I hurt myself today, it was, here's a little song I wrote, you might wanna sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy. Thank you. Simon King always makes me happy. Well done, Simon. Now, here to suggest that other happy country music flavors to consider with her own brand of chitty chatter hoochie, let's hear <laughs> from Shirley Gnome. One might say debating that a genre of music is better done a certain way denies the complex, subjective nature of the ever-evolving personal and cultural expression that is art. But anyone who says that is probably really boring at parties. <clears throat> so that's why I'm here to say that it doesn't even matter. The debate is moot. These so-called sad country songs aren't sad. They cheer you up. Therefore, they're happy songs. So Simon is right in that he is completely wrong. <laughs> country music is fundamentally feel good because no matter the mood, country music articulates your feelings for you, letting you cry or laugh or barf them right out of yourself, leaving you in a purge state of good old fashioned homespun 
cathartic bliss. <laughs> you can then fortify that well-earned bliss down at the bar with a boot scoot and boogie. Do you think those laughing partiers throwing back their fifth shot of the night are yelling at the DJ to play I'm so lonesome I could cry? Or play waiting around to die, woo! <laughs> no, they want friends in low places or the get up. And just think of all the horses that have been saved by riding cowboys instead. <laughs> Pro horse crowd, I see. <laughs> and let's not forget about murder ballads. They bring the joy of fantasizing about killing your ex without suffering those pesky real life consequences. <laughs> Pro murdering your ex crowd as well. Very nice, Calgary. Very nice. <laughs> So be it your favorite revenge fantasy or toxic relationship wine fest, lift yourself up. Then cut out that mournful middleman and go out and do the happy dance to a booze-soaked ditty. Hashtag live, laugh, barf. Shirley Dome, coming right out and saying it. Country music can be sad because sad songs actually cheer us up, which blew my mind right out of the gate. All right, Calgary, I beg your pardon. It's time for the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether country music is best when it's sad, so since you rascals flat out make us laugh, it's time to create a George Canyon between you and your opponent and leave the crowd George Jonesing for more. That's too many George references. We're gonna get angry Loretta's. Time to treat your opponent like a patsy and sock him right in the kissel now. Shirley, you named a lot of happy songs, but name one that isn't about alcohol. Uh, name one sad country song that isn't about alcohol. Fair. <laughs> you know, I agree with you that country music is for working people, but do you really think working people have any spare time to be sad in this economy? <laughs> I just want to know more about this truck driving dog you mentioned in your right? opener. Yeah. Oh, you do? okay, I have a lot of questions. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I great. looked it up. What is he a particular breed or Yeah, yeah. He's a cross between an Edmonton setter and a Calgary retriever. He's a red deer terrier. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, I think that's the bare knuckle around, everybody. <laughs> we are debating country music and whether it should be sad or not on the debaters. It's time now with the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on sad country music brought to you by Johnny Cash's young copyright lawyer, a boy who'll sue. <laughs> Not everyone got it, but the ones that did enjoyed it. <laughs> Finish this 1962 country song title from Webb Pierce and Mel Tillis. How come your dog, what? Simon? Keeps pooping on my lawn. <laughs> Close. Half a point. Shirley? Can drive a truck. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. A bit of a callback. Two points. Uh, nope, that song was, How Come Your Dog Don't Bite Nobody But Me? <laughs> Before he was famous, Calgary country music legend Paul Brandt studied what? Shirley? Statistical correlations between small towns and big dreams. 
<laughs> Good answer. Give him two points for that. Well done, Shirley. Simon? How to avoid moving to Edmonton? Oh, he's got him back. He's got him back. No, he studied uh, nursing. Paul Brandt studied nursing, which is pretty interesting. What's even more interesting from this show's perspective is our producer, Graham Clark's mom, was his teacher. True story. That's the firing line, everybody. We're debating whether country music has to be sad, and it's almost time for the audience to vote. But first, here to tell us why, if he ever hears a happy country song, he might just leave the country. Let's hear again from our own happy sad sack, Simon King. Real country is an anthem for the common people. It has emotion you just can't get with who let the dogs out. You know? It's the soundtrack of struggle turning pain into beauty. Patsy Cline, Tammy Wynette. Heck, even Willie Nelson said, and he's high as a giraffe's butt half the time. <laughs> I'm all for positivity, but we'd lose so much if instead of speaking heartache, Dolly Parton gave us, Jolene, 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 Jolene. You can have me snores. <laughs> Sadness is great for art. In fact, if I lose this debate, I hope I do, because that'd make me sad. And the only thing worse than a happy country singer is a happy comedian. And nobody wants that, partner. Simon King. Uh-oh. He's pulled out the old reverse psychology. I don't even care if I win. And I love it. Now the audience is in a conundrum. Thank you, Simon. Now, determined to be a friend in low places that will work your way to your happy country music loving hearts, let's hear from Shirley Gnome. Why well, tell you I'm right when I can just show you? Oh, she's, oh, she's uh, motioning off stage, and a guitar has just floated into her hand from off stage. You tell me, do you think this is country music at its best? My husband left and he took the dog and then the dog died. Oh, why, why, why did God take Scruffy instead of my hubby? Bye-bye, <laughs> Scruffy, bye-bye. Four, two, three, four. Calgary, CBC, radio technology. Bring us closer, you and me. Clap your hands and stomp your feet. Have a drink, have some fun. Steve will drop another pun. There's a happy word that rhymes with debaters. But I'm not allowed to say you're. This is the CBC. with a country song. Well orchestrated, well done. Got a lot of people clapping along in unison. Not easy. All right. It is up to you to vote by applause. Who loved Simon's lament that his favorite sort of country music puts the sad in saddle, Simon King. And who agreed with Shirley that we should put the cowboy boots to sad country music? Shirley Gnome. 
decided. And by Simon's logic, you'll both be happy. The winner is Shirley Gnome. Shirley Gnome. Big hand for Shirley Gnome and Simon King, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying to all the great country music artists out there, you want to keep making us feel sad, fill your boots. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night. The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Josh Bailey, Graham Clark, Chloe Edbrook, Dean Jenkinson, and Nicole Callender. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by James Perella and Corey Haberstock. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Bella Concert Hall in Calgary. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.